Welcome to the Denver Diatribe, September 20th, 2010 edition. Each week on our show, we discuss three topics uh, and then dispense some love and hate, which are about Denver, Colorado, the most interesting city between Omaha and Salt Lake. This week on our show, Christo's Over the River Project, which leads into our second topic, Denver Public Art and Why It's So Awful, and the now over for this year, Great American Beer Fest and beer culture in Denver more generally. With me in the studio, Jared Mayer of FaceTheState.com, Joel Warner, staff writer for Westward, and me, I'm John Dicker, your host. Let's get to it. Christo, the Over the River Project, if you're unfamiliar, he's 46 miles of the Arkansas River in southwest Colorado, is going to be draped uh, under the plan. It's going to be draped in a canvas, like a canopy. It's This project has been on the table or been in proposal for, I think, a dozen years at least. There's There was a recent Wall Street Journal article. It seems like it's going to get closer to possibly happening. Joel, what do you think? So far, I keep trying to think of reasons why that I shouldn't like it. I have a feeling that with miles and miles of canopy that will be up this river for, what is it, like, like two or three weeks? And my assumption I know, I think is, it's like two no, months. Yeah, is it? Because it's going to take a couple the, months. I mean, my assumption is there will be some dead fish and some dead birds involved with it. But at the same time, I mean, I just, just this concept of taking this part of Colorado that really doesn't get much attention, that doesn't get the tourism that it probably deserves. I mean, to me, it's a pretty, it's a pretty exciting uh, concept. I, I just can't believe that. I don't, I wonder if it's ever going to happen. I mean, it almost seems like the actual art project involved with this is, is the anticipation that, that Crisco, Christo has been building for, I mean, I think he started this back in 1992 was when we first started talking about this and he's had these drawings and now it has to go into this insane environmental impact statement process with the Bureau of Land Management. And he's, and, he spent uh, over $7 million of his own money, which I'm, the Wall Street Journal story and nothing I've read explains exactly how he got all this money. Well, I just assume that he has a lot of money from from his past artwork. Now, I mean, I mean, this whole environmental impact statement, that to me was really fascinating. I mean, that was that was Christo's choice. I mean, usually environmental impact statements are, you know, it's part of uh, the Environmental Protection Act when you have these huge construction projects that are going to impact wetlands or rivers or something. I mean, you have to have these huge, massive, multi-year, multi-million dollar environmental impact statements. Yeah, I they're studying the everything from like yeah. the impact to the to the land, to the nature around it, to all the animals. And, and this is the first time that one of these has ever been conducted for, for some type of kind of creative venture. And it was Christo a volunteer to do this. Is that correct? Or did someone say you have to do I, this? I think he volunteered. We should mention, just in case you don't know who Christo is, he's the guy who wrapped the Reichstag. He uh, wrapped several islands uh, in the in South Florida. He did the, most recently, he did the Gates Project in Central Park in New York. Uh, he does these kind of grand scheme you know, public art projects that usually totally change or temporarily alter the environment. That's what he's known for. Why does he do this? Kind of fucking question. Well, you well, watched well, a movie last night all about Christoph. I, I did. I movie, watched, and what did it tell you about why he does these? Things? It, it didn't tell me anything about why he does that. There's a, actually a, there's a documentary by the Mazels brothers. They did uh, Grey Gardens, which was made into that pointless Drew Barrymore project a few years ago on HBO. <laughs> uh, it's a great documentary. I don't know why they needed to make a narrative film about it. Um, talk to Drew Barrymore about that if you can. But it, it was about his canopy uh, in Eagle. This was in like '73, and it was a, a documentary. There was no voiceover, no interviews. So what? So what did it say about why he grapes? I think this is just his his vision. I think it's aesthetics, and I think I think he does. And from the interviews I've heard with him, I do think he likes the process of getting a approval, though it was really his wife and partner who died recently, who was the real negotiator. Uh, John Claude. 
she she died recently, and she was like the politician in terms of getting approval. But the documentary is fascinating in that it, it's Christo. It's it's a kind of a conservative's nightmare, right? Because you have this uh, kind of effete looking French guy screaming at a bunch of salt of the earth iron workers. Pull harder, pull harder. I'm I'm doing a German accent. Why? Uh, fuck Europe. Fuck Europe. Um, uh, but anyway, it, what was heartening about the documentary? I mean, it's like 45 minutes long was just these salt-of-the-earth iron workers really got invested in the project. of, And it was you know, a curtain coming down in a canyon in Eagle, oddly right by a golf course. They had these really funny shots of these people on a putting green looking up at the project in process. Uh, can we just talk about how John just made Crystal into a Nazi? That kind of, I really did kind of dig that. French, German. <laughs> anyway, they're all, they're so, all yeah, anti-Semites so to me. Yeah, so, are, so do you guys like this concept of things being draped in fabric? Well, I, I like mean, I, I can river? actually speak to that to directly because in 2005 when he had his Gates project in Central Park, I actually flew to New York just to – Go see and see that, and I, and I stayed with friends, and because it, it turns into this uh, large scale event, what 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 the Gates project was is he had taken these uh, saffron colored pieces of fabric. I think I even still have a piece of one of them, and uh, put them up on poles and kind of created these gates that went all all around through Central Park along the paths. And sounds like okay, well, big deal. What's so great about that? I mean, but there were so many of them. I, th- I think there was thousands of them, and it involved just this humongous process. Thousands of volunteers. Lots of people from around the world came out just like me, just to go out and walk around and see it. And this aesthetic vision of, of taking almost like a I, this fabric. It's almost like he's painting over the the natural and man-made environment yeah, you and, can't changing the, and changing the way that you perceive your surroundings. And so you, so you, you just have of, to just so see it. To, river, to, uh, so what do you think of the river project? Oh, I think then? it's great. So I mean, I think about. it's great. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't we support something the, the like this? The main opposition, from what I can gather, the main opposition, and there's a lot. I mean, there's like people having you know, T-shirts say no to Christo. And there's, there, there is a strong opposition. Well, there's like three or four or anti-Christo organizations. One's like but, called Rags but, but Over the River. What I was trying to figure river. out was, I mean, I was trying to quantify the size of this opposition. Is this just kind of a few of those kind of NIMBY landowners down there? or against? I mean, well, is in the Wall Street Journal article, they talked about you know one I forget what town it was. It wasn't Canyon City, but you know they end up the town voted ten four and sixteen against. And you know, ultimately, I believe it's the Bureau of Land Management's decision. And I think money will talk in in that direction, which is my because you know if you're a rafting, I, I would got to admit it would be cool to go on a rafting trip and have the canopy right above you. And yeah, I, see, I was already thinking, I mean, just like, after reading that story, I think, you know, reading about when, I mean, they're uh, playing this for 2013 or 2015. I mean, it's coming. I mean, 2013, get, 2013 yeah. is when it'll be. Up. If they get the green light, I mean, it'll be, you know, just a few years away. I was already thinking, you know, as soon as they get the green light, I'm thinking about where should we make hotel reservations or get a campground because clearly I'd like to go down there for this. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Well, I, I was actually surprised by the size and organization behind this opposition for a project like this. I mean, there's a few websites out there. There's people that are mobilizing other people to comment against this project as this environmental impact statement comes along. And there's a lot of these locals that how adamant they are in opposition to this doesn't quite make sense because there's a lot of these well, environmental impact of- statements that, co- that come about. And for all of these locals, it's like, well, are these same people commenting against when uh, some oil and gas company wants to put up oil rigs over well, that, uh, on top be, of some socialism or um, other things like that? I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you guys make of the opposition? Why do you think that there's something about Christo and what he represents that seems to stoke a particular type of ire down in the uh, in this region of Southern Colorado among locals? That would be my bias. That this would be 
the more. I, I think honestly, I th- one of the concerns was traffic. You know, two years of construction followed by an expected. I think the number they're tossing out is you know three hundred and sixty thousand to four hundred thousand visitors. People are worried about like, hey, I have to live here, and that's what you know. In Central Park, you could avoid Central Park. Many of these other projects here, you know, there's a lot of you know two lane roads. Is this going to get backed up? The only question I have is, you know, it's going there's going to be forty six miles of this. It's not like there's I, is only, it really forty six miles? Are you I, sure I, about that number? I thought it was more like five or six. I miles. thought I read. 46. We'll check. Well, if we're wrong, we'll correct it on our on our website, denverdiatribe.com. I, I think that the you know those arguments. Oh, it's going to cause traffic. I can, I guess I can I can see that, but their proponents' view of this project is there's going to be a lot of other benefits economically to this area. Yeah. What was the that, number they threw? I mean, there? There was, you know, what else is down in that area other than as far as uh, employment, other than prisons and whitewater rafting? All right, well, let's let's move on. Let's transition to public art in Denver because we've been wanting to talk about this. The issue of, of Denver, the Mustang uh, by Denver International Airport is usually the kind of spearhead for this conversation. But whether you like the Mustang or, or not, you got to admit Denver has some ugly and childish public art. A friend, My friend Stephanie once said that it's like some little kid emptied his or her toy box onto the city of Denver because you have the the little the, the blue bear looking in um, at the Denver Convention Center. You have the chair with the horse uh, by the Denver Public Library. You have those a- dancing aliens by the Denver Performing Arts Center. And now you have this horse. Are, are you guys pro-Bronco or anti-Bronco? Well, it's, it's a Mustang, Mustang first sorry. of all. God damn. It's, not the, it's not the Denver Bronco. I mean, that's what people always say. It's like, God, you, you Denverites really love the love the Broncos, right? Because you put a big statue out in, uh, in front of the DI. But you did forget – You did. Other than the Mustang, I will say one thing. You did forget what, what was the phrase for the uh, electric uh, – The saggy boob electric penis, yeah, which down is by the, uh, uh, the, the glowing red by the Highlands uh, Bridge. pile of lumps right by – I don't know the if, that's, it's an, if that qualifies as sort of a child's toy. Maybe, uh, more <laughs> hopefully of an adult not. Toy. Hopefully, hope, <laughs> hopefully it's not as much child's toy as the rest of them, but you never know. And, and you know, there are there, there are better examples. And if you go to the city, if you Google Denver public art, and we'll put this on our website, um, you you can see all the different public art in Denver. And it's one percent of any million dollar capital improvement project has to go to public art. Uh, this was uh, uh, Pena uh, did that during his his tenure as mayor. Which is cool, very cool. Like, we do fund public art. Well, I think, I think that's what this comes back to is the way in which Denver has set up to fund a lot of these, um, a lot of these art projects because every time, because of this ordinance that was passed, I mean, in the, in the 80s or in the early 90s, because of that ordinance, any time the city wants to undertake some large-scale capital improvement project like a new stadium or the new airport – and they float bonds to be able to pay for that, 1% of everything that they spend automatically goes into this bucket, and they have to spend it on public art to be used on that project. So for a lot of projects, and, and this would include DIA, you know, what was this, 6 or $7 billion, and, and now they're wanting to expand the airport? Well, imagine 1% of that goes into a bucket, and they have to use it for art. That's why Denver's, I think Denver's art program is among the, I think it is actually the, the largest art program of any airport in the entire world, and it's the art program alone for DIA dwarfs that of 
even some other entire yeah. cities. No, I, I think yeah, I do. Th- I do think compared to other cities, our airport is awesome. Aside from the glaring uh, lack of public transport, you know, light rail to it, which is being taken care of. I know why the the Mustang. Like, why is that such a touchstone? I can tell you personally. I do like the fact that it does grab your attention. You have to interact with it. You know what I mean? You can't just blow it off. But it's like if we were San Diego and we hosted Comic Con, or if we were Atlanta and hosted Dragon Con, and that was part of our civic identity, I'd be like, all right, fuck yeah. The Bronco is awesome. But to me, it just it, – it kind of looks childish. Mustang. Bar- Bronco Mustang, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, looks, it looks like Skeletor got knocked off his steed, and that's what's standing there. It just it just looks – I mean, are you are – because you, whenever people complained about this, and this, this flap kind of exploded in the media um, a year ago, do you object to it in and of itself – like it's just bad art, or do you object to its actual location? Because a lot I of people said, I, I th- a lot of people would say, well, the artist who created it, uh, Luis Jimenez, uh, a very, very well known New Mexican artist. I mean, that's the way his art looks. And so people would say, well, I, once it's sort of put in the context of his style, things that go into, into the way he creates his art, people say, okay, well, I can, I can see that it's not a horrible sculpture necessarily, but I just don't like it being at the airport. Is that, is that your problem? I think it's in, it's a combination of that. Yeah. That's what one of the first things you see for people who are arriving in Denver and in Denver from all over the world. And then in the context of all the other childish art, public art we have in the city, it just makes me kind of embarrassed uh, for all of us. (laughs) and, And if it was in a different part of the city, yeah, I would say it wouldn't it wouldn't bug me as well, much. What, you, what cities are you comparing Denver to? I mean, give, just give us a, a point of view. I mean, yeah, what city has good public art from your point of view? Colorado Springs has some decent public art. Oh man, I, I mean, I actually I actually think they they rotated a little bit. Sorry, I've never seen it. I'm way too distracted by all the fast food restaurants and horrible <laughs> billboards down there. To you, notice it. You haven't walked Tejon Street, my friend. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a public art okay. expert. Uh, so you guys ready for me to completely uh, disagree with everything YouTube's been saying? Oh, bring it. Okay, so yeah, so I think you two are just being complete snobs with all this stuff. I can, I can fucking live yeah, with that. I don't necessarily love all the public art in Denver, but fucking bring it on. I mean, I mean, the, uh, the whole point of this stuff is to inspire conversation. So you look at uh, the Mustang. I mean, I mean, it's gotten national attention for what it is. And, I mean, you know, it clearly has inspired conversation. The fact we're talking about all these things now, even if you don't love the saggy boob electric uh, penis, even if you don't love the giant weird dancing aliens, at least we have it as opposed to nothing at all. And I just recognize, you know, yes, I don't love all this stuff, you know, and I hope that as the city matures with this with this fund out, we get better public art. In the meantime, I just appreciate, you know, that we have all well, this okay, stuff. Okay, okay, I'm going to respond to your response really quick. First of all, I've never, I never said I disliked the the Mustang. I actually love the Mustang. I Very love good. it because it exists. Because we, every time I go past it, it, I can tell an awesome story about how this crazy looking beast of a sculpture actually killed its creator. Which means it makes it the greatest piece of public art of yeah, all time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's already, that's already like awesome in itself. But then, this, but then this second point, I kind of have a problem with the argument that sometimes gets made with public art where people, you know, you have all the curmudgeons saying, oh, I can't believe my tax dollars are paying for this. And then people, and then all the uh, artists come back and they say, well, you know, art is supposed to inspire conversation and sometimes things need to be controversial. And whether you like it or not, you have to admit that it, now you're talking about it. Now you're talking about, okay, well, 
there is a difference between good art and bad art. And just because it inspires conversation doesn't make it always good. Okay, that said, I do think there are several pieces of public art in Denver that I actually like. I like the big uh, I like the big cows yeah, by the art museum. Yeah. museum. What do you think so, about the cows? Those are probably my favorite as well. I do enjoy the cows just because you know, I love what their position is. almost kind of off to the side. They're really engaging. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the cows. The big dustpan. I'm not, I don't well, like the Do you don't like the dustpan? No. Do you hate it, though? I strongly dislike okay. it. Okay, I, I do hate the, the dancing aliens, which I think everyone, you know, that Those is are our one fucking awful. But the uh, right up spear from that, there's the, I think it's called the indeterminable line. It's like this big corkscrew-like thing right in front of the, the convention center. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. What's your opinion on that, John? I've, I don't. I'm going to pass. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, it's, it is a mixed bag, but all in all, I'm glad I'm glad that they're they're there at least. So, so what art do you like in this town, Grumpy John Digger? You know what? I, I'm gonna. This is gonna make me sound kind of lame, and I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I I love the fountain at Esplanade, and I love the Emmett Till MLK statue um, right nearby in City Park. I think it's a beautiful statue. I feel like not enough people know about the Emmett Till Emmett Till story, who is really like the early martyr of the civil rights movement. Uh, I mean, he's not enough people know that story. And I, but I also, you know, I love the fountain. You know, looking down the Esplanade is just grand and it's beautiful. And I'm, that's one thing I'm glad but about. But I that. mean, but okay, the, a fountain is a fountain, but the, the Emmett Till the statue is was made when? I mean, how old is that thing? Well, you asked me what art I like, James. Right. <laughs> you didn't ask me what art I can I tell you. I can tell you are like a, very, a traditionalist. Yes. You're not going to just uh, a bit. Oh, a little. Well, I, I think just, you're the curmudgeon I've, I've been talking about. <laughs> oh, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm a curmudgeon. There's can no you job. can you do the do the anti uh, art voice in the Christo voice yeah. in the German Christo voice? Yeah. Toronto. I hated public art. <laughs> uh, now I'm just landing, going into Sprocket's land. But I, you know, I do I do think some of this Christo stuff is because he's a foreigner, which is unfortunate. Because you know, why do we hate on the French? Didn't they help us found this country? You know what I mean? Didn't they totally help us out in Valley Forge? You know what I mean? I, I well, the French did. French did give the United States the Statue of Liberty. Right, but that was after they helped helped us, you know, beat the British. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> let's talk <laughs> more about this. Let's, I like this. Yeah, let's go on to go? let's go on to something we all have opinions on, except Joel because he's a pussy, and that is beer. <laughs> uh, I know we yes we are late. By the time you're listening to this, the Great American Beer Festival. Uh, which is hosted in Denver since, I don't know, 1842. Um, <laughs> since before the city the was 15, even founded. 1500s, I think they began. Uh, actually invented beer here in 1842. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jared, you've gone a lot of times. Why don't you tell us what it's like for the few people listening who've never From been. what you remember from these well, events. Well, the Great American Beer Festival is, is industry convention for craft beer makers and also, I guess, the major large-scale breweries. What it is is you is it's always at the Denver Convention Center and it's this humongous room and you go in and the first thing that they give you is this little plastic cup that has a line on it for one ounce and you have all of these different tables representing all of these small breweries from Portland and uh, there's sort of the the whole room is broken up into regions so you have the Southwest area where you have all the Southwest breweries Northwest breweries you know breweries from Hawaii and um, and you just kind of go around and they have all the different beers, and you can sample. They have, they them have all. foreign beers there. Yes, I okay. mean not not as much, but I mean it's like in the international okay. section. The, so that's the great thing about it is you can go around and you can just sample all of these different beers, stuff from like 
really fruity like raspberry frappuccino beers to um ones that I ones that I like the most were the ones that now where they take the beers and they actually age them in old scotch casks. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah cuz I, I was thinking yeah, dog, so I think... dogfish head who pioneered like that they went all the way to yeah, and, so and, why do we and, have and they have like they're like 12% alcohol it's, so why do we have it here though i mean why does colorado have this yeah cuz i mean in the number and the numbers it is very interesting the numbers of how much in terms of the percentage of like craft beer that we drink in this state is way higher than a, a lot of other states i mean i think we're if we're not number 1 we're number 2 and of course you know we do have well the craft beer association is based it was founded in boulder and is based in boulder or something like is it the craft beer association or something it's the brewers association brewers i believe association. I mean, um and it's you know we do have some major craft brew powerhouses, but not that, you know, Sierra Nevada, which I think is number two, Sam Boston Beer Company, which does Sam Adams, is number one. We, you know what I mean? We don't have one or two here, but we have, obviously, we have New Belgium. We oh, have there's, oh, there's Odell. I think it's interesting in Denver how we're kind of brewing culture Some seems lately to take a backseat to the pot culture, which we've talked about. And the fact that there are so many good breweries in Colorado, in the state, sometimes gets lost maybe a little bit. Um, I was curious about that point, actually, for the – I called uh, Westward's managing editor, Jonathan Shikes, who knows – who goes by uh, Colorado Beer Man. You can look up on Twitter and stuff. I asked through that question out to him, and his point was, no, he doesn't really see the medical marijuana scene kind of overshadowing the craft beer scene because both – are pretty small, isolated scenes, and there's not a lot of overlap between the two. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, when, yeah, the, John, the, the people you, who you, like these craft beer probably are going to be smoking. Well, when you made that point marijuana. in the email, I was, I was a little bit confused uh, by it, John, because to me, I almost think it's the opposite. I mean, I think that the Denver and Colorado in general has always gotten a lot of attention for its reputation as having a lot of uh, small breweries, a lot of these craft breweries and things like, you know, it's, it's always a city's uh, tourist and convention bureau visit Denver. They're always trying to find ways to promote Denver and, and bring tourism that way. I don't see any, um, I don't see that happening with medical marijuana, at least officially. <laughs> no, right? no, yeah, the city Even pot- though it's probably happening. I mean, the- yeah, the city, pot tourism. I, I kind of like that. that that's that's, that's that's on the edge of uh, uh, how screwed our economy is. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just in the national scene and in what gets what's getting reported. The pot story is a lot new or newer and a lot sexier. Anyway, before we close out on that this topic, I will recommend a, a very flawed but interesting documentary if you're interested in craft beer, which is called Beer Wars. And it looks at, you know, it kind of reminds us how small the craft brewing market is compared to the overall brewing market. It, you know, I think one of the, the guys from Dogfish Head, which is a fantastic brewery in, or is it just Dog, in Delaware. But they said, he's like, Budweiser spills more beer on their floor in waste than I brew in a year. And, and that, that was kind of fascinating, but I'd, I'd recommend that. Um, speaking of recommending, let us move on to love and hate. Jared, why don't we start with you? Uh, hate. I have a hate this week, and my hate is for the political cowardice of the uh, Denver City Council dealing with the city's ban on pit bulls. As you guys know, I've uh, covered this issue a lot in uh, recent years, the longtime prohibition on people having pit bulls within the city, and this came up as a subject recently for the Denver City Council because there has been a lot of, there's been a number of lawsuits that the city is battling having to do with uh, whether or not there should be an exemption under the pit bull ban for people that use uh, the dogs as, as uh, for a disability, a service dog, essentially. And 
this, this is an exemption that has to be made. The city is opening itself up to so many lawsuits. And uh, when it came before the Denver City Council, instead of just allowing this to go through, now they're kicking it back into committee where they're going to try to pr- find some other ridiculous rule or procedure to lay onto a, an ordinance, a law that already has a, a number of ridiculous ordinances, procedures to it. So, so you hate that. I hate it. Okay. Joel? Well, this week I have some love. As we all know, we are big fans of burritos here, the Denver Diet Tribe, and I've had a local brand of microwave burritos, which is fantastic. It's called uh, Evil Burrito, which I think is love spelled backwards. If you can't spell. Yes, if you can't spell. um, I think it's a Boulder-based company, and they literally have 37,000 different flavors, but my favorite so far is the pork and green chili. Like, 37,000? Know, are you kidding me? Might be a few less. But but they have a lot of flavors, and they're fantastic for when you can't get to Santiago's for your, your a breakfast burrito fix. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of food, that brings me to my hate, which is number of local restaurants, number of local restaurants that I like. I will name names. Sushi Sasha or Sushi Sasa, the one Sasa. on Sasa. And freaking Avenue Grill. Please don't ever ask me, have you dined with us before? Um, unless the rest of the interaction is going to proceed in <laughs> Elvish or freaking Finnish. Or if I can't pay by check, credit card, or cash, and I have to barter with services, there is nothing special about your restaurant that you need to ask me, have I ever dined with us before? I think it's safe to assume that I have dined in a restaurant before, and there's just nothing that special about your restaurant. I can't stand that question. It turns me off. But I hope you'll turn us on. Our website, denverdiatribe.com. You can link there to our Facebook page. Please like us on Facebook. Our Twitter feed is also is at Denver Diatribe. You can link from our website. Uh, also, please vote for us in we- Westward's first ever Web Awards under Best Podcast. Uh, we definitely need to get some listeners. And yes, we are working on getting uh, the podcast available via iTunes. We hope to have that up in a week or 10 days, and we will certainly let you know. Uh, for John Dicker, Jared Mayer, and Joel Warner, we are the Denver Diatribe, and we are out. See you next week. Bye.